Ashley Brock, reading Dolores Fawson's book, Nate, Chapter 12. Nate didn't touch the diary, but he figured it, if this was the real deal, then any fiber or print evidence on it had been already been compromised. Still, they might get lucky. With Grayson and Darcy right behind them, Nate led Denton into Grayson's office, took a sterile plastic evidence bag from the supply cabinet, and placed it on the center of the desk. Nate motioned for Dent to place the diary there. Where did you find it? Nate asked Dent. But he didn't look at the man. He grabbed a plastic glove as well and lifted the diary's cover. In the back of Sanders' closet, it had been shoved into a coat pocket. Nate was certain the cops had gone through Sanders' closet, but it was possible they missed it. Go to the last entry, Dent instructed. Nate did, and Darcy and Grayson moved closer so they could what? could look as well. The handwriting, handwritten words practically jumped off the page. Adam and I argue tonight again. Money, always money. He's too much like his father. Let's see how sorry he is when his allowance is gone. Sandra was about to cut off Adam's allowance. Dent emphasized. Nate mentally went back through his notes. Adam's allowance was 100000 a year and was paid out through a trust fund, but it was a trust fund with strings. Adam could only get the hundred grand per year, and that was it. He couldn't touch the principal amount itself for any reason. 100000 wasn't a huge sum by Sandra's standards, but maybe this was motive for Adam to kill her, especially since the allowance would have continued for the rest of his life. Well... It would continue unless Sandra managed to disown him and rewrite the conditions of the trust. Adam didn't say anything about this during his interview, Grayson mumbled, the, the disgust and frustration in his voice. Nate understood that frustration. This case just kept getting more complicated. They had to find the culprit soon so they could end the danger for the children. Adam's still here, Grayson added. I need to talk to him again. When Grayson walked out, Nate stayed and continued with the diary, but he quickly realized the page with the last thing Sandra had written. He checked the date at the top, the night before she died. Well, the timing was suspect, but then Nate noticed something else. The ragged edge, barely visible, indicating a subsequent page had been ripped out. Nate looked up at Dent. Know anything about this missing page? Dent sits seemed surprised by the question and had a look for himself. No? I didn't see that until now. Maybe Adam tore it out. You locked them to think that, wouldn't you? Adam snarled from the hall, with Grayson right behind him. Adam marched into the room and looked at the diary. When he reached for it, Nate blocked his hand. It's evidence now, Nate informed. I'll have it couriered to the SAPD crime lab for immediate analysis. He pointed to the blank page beneath the one that had been torn out. I think we might have impressions, so we can figure out what your mother wrote. But Denton Adam went deadly silent for a few seconds anyway. We don't even know if that is my mother's diary, Adam concluded. True, Nate acknowledged. We, but we have her handwriting on file. It shouldn't take long for the lab to do a, a comparison. The muscles in Adam's jaw turned to iron, and he snapped toward Dent. You're setting me up, he whirled back to Nate. Yes, my mother and I argued, but we worked out everything before someone murdered her. I didn't kill her, Dent calmly replied. He seemed to be enjoying Adam's fit of temper. 
Well, someone said either you or my father. Adam poked him in the chest with his index finger. And if it was you, then I'm going to prove it. So that washed away dense calm facade, and Nate was concerned the two men might come to blows. He was too tired to break up a fight. Are you done with Adam? He asked Grayson. His brother nodded. Both of you can leave. Nate told Denton Adam. What about the diary? Adam demanded. We'll let you know what the lab says. And then they can arrest you. Dick concluded. He smiled and walked out. Adam cursed him, but he didn't rush after his stepfather. They let him get away with murder, Adam demanded. Nate huffed and motioned for him to leave. For a moment, he thought Adam might argue, but the man finally stormed out. Grayson put on a pair of gloves and picked up the diary. I'll have Tina fax the papers to the crime lab so they can do a quick comparison of the handwriting to make sure it's sand or dense. Then I'll have a courier pick it up. Nate thanked him, and once Grayson was out of the room, he turned his attention to Darcy. She looked several steps beyond exhausted and worried. Because he thought they could both use it, he brushed a kiss on her mouth. Yeah, he needed it, all right. Wasn't surprised that the kiss worked its magic and soothed him. Man, he was toast. Why don't you go check on the kids, he suggested. I need to make some calls. She didn't question that. Darcy only nodded, turned back, then turned back. <laughs> turned, but then turned back. She kissed him. Like his, it was brief, barely a touch. But she pulled back with her forehead bunched up and her frown on the other, otherwise empty mouth. I'll deal with this later, he promised. Figuring she knew exactly what he meant. The only question was how they would deal with it, except that wasn't in question either. They'd deal with it in bed, with some good old-fashioned sex. And yeah, he would mess things up with his family. Might even become the final straw of stress that would break his proverbial back. But Nate was certain that sex would happen no matter how messed up things. She ran her hand down the length of his arm. Just yell if you want me. Darcy whispered. Despite the fatigue, he smiled. So did she. After she blushed, Nate watched her walk away. He felt the loss or something and wondered when the heck Darcy had become such an important part of his life. Cursing himself and cursing her, he pushed that question aside and got to work. He called Sergeant Garrett O'Malley at SAPT headquarters, the cop working on the dent case, and now the kidnapping as well. Garrett, Nate greeted. What do you have on Marlene Lambert's financials? There's nothing much in her checking account, but something else popped up. He explained, and in the background was the sound of the sergeant typing on a computer keyboard. Two months ago, she sold some land she inherited from her grandparents. The buyer gave her a check for nearly 50000 which she cashed, but that fifty grand has not showed up in her financial accounts. Nate felt the knot twist in his stomach. This was a woman he'd known for a long time. A woman he trusted with the safety and care of his baby girl. Of course, Miss Lampard might have a good explanation, Gary went on, but I'm not seeing it right now. So Nate knew what had to be done. Grayson would have to bring her back in for questioning and grill her until she told them everything. Fifty thousand probably wasn't enough to have pulled off the entire kidnapping plot, but it would have been enough to get it started. What about the financials on Edwin and Adam Fraser? Nate asked. I want someone to take a harder look at those. I did, Garrett assured him. And if either of them spent an unex unexplained chunk of money from any of their accounts, I can't find it.
Those financials had been a long shot since neither man would have been stupid enough to have the money trail lead straight back to them. Especially when Adam or Edwin could have just stolen that money from the safe. But Nate had still hoped he could pin this on one of them or anyone. He just needed this in. I did I did see something that might be important, Garrett said a moment later. Adam is the sole heir to his father's estate. And while Edwin doesn't have a lot of cash, he does own a house that he got from the divorce settlement. It's worth close to two million. Something happened, Edwin. Jail, death, whatever. Adam would be executor of his father's estate. Interesting. Nate was betting Edwin would do something about that now that his son had implicated him in the kidnapping. It was also interesting that if either Dent or Edwin went down for Sanders' murder, that Adam would benefit. Yeah, that was motive, all right. Of course, Dent had just as big a motive, and Nate couldn't discount Edwin's jealousy of his ex-wife's new boy toy or Marlene's possible misguided love. In other words, he was still at square one. All four of his suspects had motives, and worse, they could have had the means and opportunity as well. Nate thanked the sergeant, hung up, and was about to check on Darcy and the children, but Grayson was right outside the door, waiting. And judging from his brother's expression, something bad happened. The children? Nate automatically asked. Are fine? Grayson assured him. He stretched his hand across his forehead and ground his thumb into thumb and finger into his temple. But I'm thinking we need to get them to a safe house. That nearly knocked the breath out of me. What happened? Grayson tipped his head in a foamy gesture and started toward the front of the building to the dispatcher's desk where Tina was packing the diary for the courier. Did you find something in the diary? Nate demanded. No, but Tina did fax a copy so we might know something soon. Grayson went toward the computer on Tina's desk. While you were on the phone, I got a call from CAD. About 20 minutes ago, Ramirez was spotted on a security camera at a gas station off the highway, less than five miles from town. Oh, mercy. That was way too close for comfort. Is CAD going out there to try to arrest him? Jason shook his head. Ramirez is already gone. He turned the computer monitor so Nate could see the feed from the security camera. Yeah, it was Ramirez, all right, standing under the sliver of the overhanging roof of the gas station, and he wasn't alone. There was another broad-shouldered man with him. Both were wearing baseball caps and raincoats, but the bulkiness in their pockets indicated they were carrying weapons. We have this image and a description of the vehicle, Grayson pointed out, tapping the black four-door sedan, stopped in front of the gas station. But not just parked, it was directly in the line of sight of the security camera. Nate watched as Ramirez looked up at the camera. Ramirez smiled. The anger slammed through him, and Nate wished he could reach through the screen, teach this moron a hard lesson about endangering babies. What's he doing there, anyway? Nate asked. Because it was clear Ramirez wasn't filling up the car or buying something. He's leaving a message, Grayson mumbled. Yeah, that was obvious. And that message is he's begging me, begging for me to go after him. Not quite. Since Nate hadn't expected to hear Grayson say that, he snapped on him. What do you mean? Just watch, Grayson instructed. Nate did and his heart started to run against his chest. Within seconds, Ramirez pulled a folded piece of paper from his raincoat pocket, lifted it toward the camera, and then tucked it into the glass door. He gave... The camera one last smile, and the men got into the vehicle and sped away. 
not quietly. The tires howled against the wet concrete and cement enough cremated created enough noise to get the clerk's attention. The young man hurried to the door, opened it, and caught the note before it dropped to the ground. He read it, his eyes widening with each passing second, then he raced back into the station and grabbed the phone. The clerk called 911, Grayson replied, and in turn the dispatcher called here. He read me the note. Grayson took the notepad from the desk and handed it to Nate, who knew this wouldn't be good, and Nate tried to brace himself for the worst, but the message turned Nate's blood to ice. Nate Ryland, Darcy Burkhart, you killed my brother and my men. This is no longer a job. It's personal, and I'm coming after both of you. Get ready to die. Uh, guys, Tina said, I think we have a problem. At first, Nate thought she was talking about the note. Yeah, it was a problem. All right, a big one. But Tina was looking out the window. There, Tina tipped her head to the building just up the street. The rain was spitting on the glass, but Nate could still see the shadowy figure using the emergency ladder on the side of the hardware store. The guy was climbing under the roof, and Nate reached for his gun. Wait, Grayson warned. The windows here are tinted. He can't see us to shoot inside. Grayson was right. Besides, the guy wasn't in shooting stance. Once he reached the roof, he dropped onto his belly and pressed binoculars to his eyes. Recognize him? Grayson asked. Yeah, Nate did. It was the man who'd been with Ramirez on the surveillance footage. Nate automatically glanced around, looking for the man who just threatened to kill Darcy and him. But Ramirez was nowhere in sight. You going out there? Tina asked. No. Grayson and Nate said in unison. Not right now. Nate finished. Good. Grayson and he were on the same page, and Nate knew what he had to do. Darcy was going to like it. Heck, he didn't like it, but it was necessary if he had any chance of keeping all of them out of the path of a killer. End of chapter 12.